Hey everybody, I am Charlie, joined as always by my wonderful co-host, the Duke of Depths, the Digital Phantom! We are here in our virtual tuxedos for the second annual, the second ever Eat Sleep Elite Award show. This year's the 2023 Did you, did you get the virtual bow tie I sent you? Ooh, I. you know what? Got it I sent right. it via email, so it should be there. I got it all right now, motherfucker. <laughs> so, um... Yeah, guys, uh, awards are just fucking fun. Like, you know the vibes. If you're wondering, you know, where the show has been, or if you if you weren't able to catch our two previous shows, um, long story short, we recorded the award show. We were all ready to roll. The file's fucking corrupted, and I can only access 12 minutes of it. No bullshit. And uh, it sucks. It's the first time ever since using this uh, software that we... Honestly, it's been about two years now because we dipped the other one in about six months. It only lasted six months for us during the show. And then we completely made a change to this one. And uh, yeah, so Caprice got his revenge and uh, hacked the show and uh, yep. sent us straight to hell. So sent us straight to the fucking to the longest board slogan hall. So, yeah, guys, um, that being said, pretty much what the plan is for today. We're going to go. It's our men's wrestler of the year, women's wrestler of the year tag team of the year and new this year is we have ring of honor awards where we have our ring of honor wrestler of the year our ring of honor best match and then we got our pay-per-view match of the year dynamite match of the year rampage match of the year collision match of the year no dark match of the year because dark only lasted like i think six weeks in total because dark went dark yeah ring of honor best match our feud of the year our pay-per-view of the year our favorite promo, favorite storyline, favorite moment, most underrated breakout star, and our best 2023 signing. So, <laughs> let me throw it to you. How did you feel overall, kind of, the vibes right now, like, going into this year? Well, I feel like, um, I I feel like one of the things I want to highlight is, um, you know, there was a lot of ups and downs throughout the year in terms of who was... It's kind of like the first year we did awards where it was di- very difficult because injuries throughout different points made it very difficult. Thankfully, that there was one guy that, like, through all the injuries managed to, like, actually, actually, there are a couple of guys that through all the injuries managed to still put together a full year of wrestling, right? Yeah. But, like, it was hard at points to justify your wrestler of the year because, like, you, you just didn't have as, like, Think about, like, April, maybe not April, but think about, like, May, June with Brian Danielson. Like, he had been out for a while, I want to say, already in the year at that point. Like, not super long, but, like, long enough that it felt like, damn, are we not even going to get Brian this year? That would suck, you know? Um, But, yeah, just injuries. But the vibe going into this year, I feel like I'm super optimistic because with a lot of the rumors that are flying around, this is actually a little bit more interesting now because things... Since the last time we tried to record this, but a lot more rumors yeah. and stuff have flown around and information has been confirmed and not confirmed and so on. Like, so it is interesting. There's a lot of potential free agents. We just saw the uh, arrival. We were actually talking about this year first before we talk about it on the podcast. We're not going to actually yeah. talk about it. Deanna Perrazzo just showed up. You know what I mean? Yeah, our first, our um, first signing in 2024, right? So you already have a potential signing of the year. Who knows? She could end up being it. She's very talented. You know what I mean? Dude, if, um, if she's like... I could see her going on an absolute tear this year, being the champion at points. If Mercedes so, gets signed, yeah. that's going to be tough. But, um, yeah, right? Oh, oh but, man. But, oh, it's going to be tough to beat that for signing. You know what I mean? It's like Adam Copeland. Lot of, oh, man. Yeah. You know, Adam Copeland yeah. could have snuck in at the end, by the way. He absolutely he could, could have. Could. If you really liked what he did. Honestly, he did enough stuff, too, in the last few months. I think he literally did that. Just to be like, yeah, I'm going to be the best signing this year in the um, last couple months, bitch. 
I'm with you. I couldn't agree more, man. The, the vibes are high right now. New champion Samoa Joe. Um, yeah, I'm feeling good. Um, if you guys can't tell, I'm a, I'm a little sick, so uh, I just went on like an unbelievable coughing spree from hell. So, God, that's fun. Okay, we'll open us up. As always, Duke has the odds. Unfortunately, we actually know each other's answers. Um, but so because we recorded it already, but uh. Either way, it's still going to be fun because you guys don't know what the fuck our answers are. <laughs> so, Duke, it's odds. You start us off. Who is your men's wrestler of the year in a fucking in, unbelievable year in terms of quality? And an unbelievable year from this wrestler, too. I mean, it's very difficult when there is a champion that is literally from day one all the way to the last possible day of the year, obviously could still have lost it on dynamite or something like that in the last couple of weeks, but shut up, you know, basically wall to wall champion. That's Maxwell Jacob Friedman, who went from being one of the most hated heels in wrestling over the course of this year to being the most over baby face in the history of AEW. Um, and I don't think that's a stretch. I think he, I think he hit levels that no one has ever hit in AEW before this year, especially when he started teaming with MJF. And looking back now with the full picture of the story they were able to tell over the course of this year, from when they started in the middle of the year, it wasn't actually the whole year, but you know, part the reason why I consider it to be part of that, Charlie, is because if you look at when he was getting a little bit of cheers during the Danielson feud and after when he was, oh, was super over after that insane Iron Man match, right? Um, when you look at everything after that, it's almost one story for MJF, even though he had very many stories within that that were also oh, individual. Absolutely, It's all one continuous connected story. And I think it was the best story they told across AEW this year. I mean, it's not, I think, going to be that. It, we, we broke that particular award down by a little the, the more individual stories like I was talking about because it's a little bit yeah, easier to talk about them his, that way as opposed to talking about the scope brain. of MJF's entire year which is yeah. why I chose him as my wrestler of the year because then I could do it there it makes a lot more sense um, not that I need to justify it this is my award I'm allowed to give it to who I fucking want I could give it to Serpentico hey. I won't though oh, maybe one day absolutely. though absolutely um, Serp's house anyway um, but yeah no I mean um, yeah just just give me your thoughts on MJF this year. I mean, I could go through listing all the matches he had that were insane. Uh, you he know, is, yeah, probably, probably the most consistent um, top guy this year. Well in deserving AEW. for for wrestler of the year. Just like last year, I don't think we have a debate between ours at all. We can both see the same picture here. Like, yeah, they fucking earned it, you know. So, I mean, he really did have. I. I Without a shadow of a doubt, I think the best world world championship reign in AEW. There's been some good ones. There there has been. But um he's also had the longest. So in a perfect world, we have a title reign that's like half this, and we're like, yeah, that was the best one. And so because length of title reign does not necessarily equal greatness. Those are not that's not an equal, you know, category. It's just he did end up having so many great stories within this that in great matches. Oh my god. That, uh, yeah. And one of the guys he had a great match with is my wrestler of the year. We are not unanimous on this one. I'm going with Brian Danielson. When I think of 2023, I, I'm, I'm gonna think of Danielson's wrestling. It's it's just like Moxley for me last year. And, and you know, Danielson just was honestly, he was on another fucking level. And you know when the switch happened for me? This is something I actually forgot to mention our last recording. 
It was when he had the strap match with Ricky Starks. The change happened for me there. Orange Cassidy was my wrestler of the year going into that moment. But Danielson had been up there. But something happened in that no disqualification strap match with Ricky Starks. Where it just, that was it. That was the, that was the, the final thread. It, uh, and then he went on to have the fucking, the Texas death match with Ricky. Like, you name it. Brian Danielson just had, in, in terms of the greatest wrestler, potentially of all time, probably the greatest American wrestler of all time, already, uh, 2023 might be his best year in the ring. And I think that's going to be something that, it probably won't be appreciated right now, but I think in 10 years, when we're looking at the scope of his career, 2023 is going to be one of those years where we're like, wow. And you know, for shits and giggles, they might even toss in the Okada match from two days ago, you know? So it's, it's, uh, it's a really special year for Brian Danielson. And if you just look at the guy's run from this time when he came to AEW to now, if you consider that all to be one long thing, even though there was breaks in there where he was hurt, but if you just look at all the matches he's had, it's, he's not had a bad match for one, no. but every match has been superior to just about everything else on the card that he was on just because the dude has been firing on all cylinders for the last multiple years. But this year, I agree with you. I think I think he hit new levels this year. That even, I don't know Do if you he remember he the hit, stretch like, of matches before the MJF feud? Let me just read off these names again. Takeshita, Bandito, Brian Cage, Timothy Thatcher, Roosh. Five weeks in a row, all before the MJF match. Every single one of them hit. It was insane. And, and it's just like, just it's so cool to me. And his first match of the year was against Top Flight. It's like, <laughs> it's just, wow. Um, Yeah, uh, Brian Danielson, man. It's, I'm so glad that we're experiencing this AEW run. It's uh, it's really it's really neat. Um, women's Wrestler of the Year. And since I know this answer, we're going to do it off the top. Our Women's Wrestler of the Year is unanimous this year. So our first unanimous award of the night, it goes to none other than Timeless Tony Storm. What I'll say right off the top here is three different characters in one year. I believe she excelled in moments in each of them, each of those characters with the newest version, Timeless Tony Storm, being just phenomenal. And when we talk about a work, like like her work rate, if you will, she's been the best day in and day out. And I would have loved to give this to Jamie Hayter, but the reality is she only did, you know, seven months out of the year. But my God, were those first seven months so fucking good. It was really hard not to give it to her. I almost wanted to. And... I didn't realize it was that deep into the year when she got hurt. You honestly could make an argument you for that, could, but I mean, but I, if Tony it was the same conundrum we had yeah, with Tony Storm last exactly. year because Thunder, Thunder Rosa, Rosa was Thunder Rosa, most of the year. The it was months. early in the year when Thunder got hurt, I think, but it was she wasn't expected to be out as long as she no. was. So there was a thought that she could come back and still win that award, but at least in my head. But like, yeah, yeah, it was just kind of the same same boat. Like it's it's tough to. To know, because who knows, even if she stayed, she could have just shit out at the end of the year and not won the award anyway. So I don't think that would have happened, though, yeah. personally. But, you know. But any other, any thoughts on uh, Tony as as your Women's Wrestler of the Year? Back-to-back, by the way. You chose her back-to-back. I mean, so. just to jump off my previous point, I think it's, there was, there was fleeting moments with, like, Sheeta and Soraya as champion where there were not Tony as champion but pretty much other than that it's been Tony I mean and Jamie obviously but like there there have been moments where it felt like somebody else could have stepped up and maybe 
won this award for themselves. Um, I, I honestly thought Taya Valkyrie would be in the world title scene by the end of the year. That didn't happen. Especially where me. you're starting. Um, with the really hot Jade feud. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I just, she, it, she was it, being things featured just didn't consistently. work out. So I wonder if in like, if they had just taken the women's division a little bit more seriously, but maybe because of the amount of injuries they were having from letting them just go balls to the wall, it made them like a little hesitant. But I mean, I, I, I do think that Tony was just the best, I, the most consistent, certainly, but I think definitely the best uh, in ring. And she, like you said, three different characters. I mean, I mean, who, who else has even ever done that? You know, like it's like Jericho it's levels of shit, except he just, he does, he sits on characters for a while. He likes that long-term storytelling. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she's just like, Oh no, I'll do something new. We need, Oh, we need an entertaining part of the show. There's a, there's a gap in the show while we have all this other stuff going on. Well, I'll fill it with time with Tony storm. It's just like, and her switching you know? up her moveset, even just a little with Timeless Tony, that, that like, to me, certified the award. I tell you, what I do need at some point this year when my mans is uninjured, I need Juice to fucking weigh in on Timeless Tony Storm. Because I just, I gotta know what that man thinks. We I know he probably one. fucking loves it. Yeah. We just, I just want to see his reaction one time. Just him to walk into a frame after she walks out doing the Timeless thing and be like, what the hell? Like, he's, he just has no idea what's going on. It's like, she's not like that at home. This is so weird. Like... <laughs> Who? She said, who? Um, our tag team of the year. Duke, we're back to you, man. Um, what, what, at last year, FTR was unanimous for us. What, what are we looking like? I mean, FTR for me are going to probably be my, my tag team of the year until somebody seriously steps up. I mean, it has been the last two years, it has been them carrying the, rim, the tag division, even when they weren't champions. Uh, so much so to this year, they had to make them champions halfway through the year because they just, there was no reason to leave them on anybody else. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, and I don't even think the Lucha Bros could have saved those tag titles. And uh, to be fair, FTR really didn't. I mean, they, they did for the entire time they had them, but then they, while they were in the what felt like the middle of the run, ended up dropping them for reasons we don't know. Obviously, you know what I mean, uh, I'm guessing it was injury related because I know I know Dax and Cash have both been dealing with injuries recently. I want to say right, um, but like, or at least that's what I heard. I don't know if that's specifically true, um, but you know, I mean, like, uh, I had Dax as my wrestler of the year last year because I thought that with the singles run that he went on last year, that he genuinely was one of the best, if not the best, wrestler in AEW last year, um, and. I've not actually talked about this. I don't think I did at the time. Part of the reason why I gave that to him last year wasn't just because I really like FDR and I really like Dax and Dax was big friends with CM Punk at the time. And I was a big punk head. Right. But those things helped certainly, but punk, I banished for my awards last year. You guys will remember because of all the shit that he did, I was going to have him as my wrestler of the year, pretty much all year. And even I really wanted to, but the problem was he did all that shit. So I just couldn't, uh, and he was in really like he hadn't been on TV in a while. It was it was not good timing for me to do it. So it was like one match. But I, it was because Dax did it in both singles and tag. I I don't know anybody else that really does that besides like Kenny Omega. You know, like yeah, he can go between singles and tag and trios and you know whatever. But with a battle royal or something, you know, <laughs> like really I don't know, like fight a fucking sex doll, which I think he did once. Like you know, like but like. Dax did it in both divisions and he did it almost just about better than anybody else. I mean, and if you look at all the matches that he lost, by the way, he didn't win any of those fucking matches, I don't think, except for the one against Cash uh, in the Owen Hart or whatever. But uh, the 
every match that he lost, he made the other guy look like a fucking champion. And that, to me, is what defined Wrestler of the Year. And I think they essentially just did that in the tag team division. They put, even in the matches when they were champion, Charlie, how many times when they were champion did we say, yeah, they're the champions, but the other team comes out looking better because they made them look amazing. Yeah, it's, you know, it's like, a fucking specialty, man. It really is. Now, I wouldn't say better. They came out looking as good, at least. Like, they looked on par. And the fact that they were able to do that with some of the teams they were able to do that with, who some of them were very young and not ready, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, uh, it's just very impressive, you know? Um. So for me, FTR, Tag Team of the Year, who do you got, Charlie? On- and just your thoughts on FTR getting my my award as well, I guess. Yeah, uh, the thoughts are are the same here because we're unanimous again. Back-to-back years, FTR, Tag Team of the Year. I just don't think a single team was on their level. Where the fuck are the Young Bucks? Where were they all year? I don't know. They were in trios competition, like majority of the beginning of the year, but that was it, man. <laughs> it's been... Uh, it's been they've been pretty much off TV. The fact that we can't even bring up the Young Bucks in this conversation is sad. Oh, worst year booking in AEW they've ever had was 2023, and that goes with us. Like at the same time, they had really great matches at the beginning of the year, but they completely Bro, they were literally out for six months because of fucking shit with yeah. Punk in 2022, and that's still that's crazy. Yeah. And so, yeah, uh, uh, every everything you just said. Couldn't agree more. Um, I mean, they were, we like to often point to, you know, what was collision, what defines collision. And it was CM Punk, Bullet Club Gold, and FTR. I mean, CM, FTR, and Bullet Club Gold were really the, the fucking, the, the corners of it. So, yeah, I just, uh, I, I, no, no other team deserves it more than them. And as much as I would love to give it to Aussie Open or something, most of their work just hasn't been in AEW. So we they didn't really wrestle in AEW as a tag. Twenty twenty four, I would love nothing more than for us to go unanimous tag team of the year Aussie Open. Let's fucking get them. Let's. I let's, think there's a good chance of that. Honestly, I, I really hope so. Especially if FTR decides like fuck it, this AEW tag division is kind of fucked right now. Let's go to fucking Ring of Honor for a bit. I could see them doing that genuinely because Ring of Honor tag <sighs> division could use some bodies too. To be honest, not that I think FTR is going to be a body yeah. there, but they've worked there in the past. So our Ring of Honor wrestler of the year, uh. We decided just to make it one singular wrestler. I think that'll be kind of fun for Ring of Honor going forward. Um, unless there's clear cut for next year, but this year there's not. It, it, Ring of Honor wrestler of the year for me was Athena. She was just she was the show. She had she is arguably one of the best women's title reigns I think I've seen, especially on a, I will say on American television. She's probably the most the strongest uh, women's title reign I've seen, other than Oscar's NXT maybe. Right, that's probably debate. Oscar's NXT is one thing that's I do remember. Fair. I think I've seen footage of an AJ Lee title reign when yeah, she the Divas Championship. That was people. pretty solid. Yeah, yeah. But, um, so, and she's obviously a very talented just, wrestler. So she yeah. has truly been Ring of Honor. She's carried the show. She's had great stories within this. It hasn't just been an over dominating fucking story. No, there's been great levels to it. You know, minion training is just a part of it. The whole story has been awesome, and it's only it's only getting further. So. My Ring of Honor Wrestler of the Year was Athena. As our Ring of Honor uh, aficionado, if you will, you, you you cover the show every single week. Could I be considered a Ring of Honor expert, do you think? Probably dude, not, because I don't know enough about Motherfuckers toss expert current, on the end of Honor Club Ring of Honor? Maybe, but old Ring of Honor? Eh. Honor Club Ring of Honor expert. Book it. Fucking add it to the title. All right. 
um, expert Ring of Honor <laughs> Honor Club it's like era. You get a Sports Center interview. It's like I, I should put that on my business card or something. <laughs> expert in Ring of Honor on Honor Club lore. Um, I don't even have a business card. Anyway, yeah, no, Athena. Athena is literally like I. I don't even know how to describe it to people that have not seen. I don't think I need to anymore. I think the thing that's crazy about this, Charlie, is Ring of Honor has got like, I don't know what the viewership is. I'm going to assume it's not the highest that AEW Ring of Honor television produces, right? Um, Get a guess that, even with the Honor Club subscription. Um, I I think people know about what Athena is doing. They have no idea what's going on in Ring of Honor right now. They have no idea who the champions are or anything like that. But they know Athena is dominating things right now and basically running the show, essentially. Like, it has been, and I've called it this for I don't know how long on our uh, weekly reviews podcast, which you can check out. We'll have one of those out probably like Monday, Tuesday. Um, but, um, and we have the previous weeks out if you're curious um, what, what we thought of the last couple of weeks of wrestling and stuff like that. We've had a lot of podcasts we've been doing. We also just did our, our Wrestle Kingdom review. Go check that out. Um, that was fun. That was, that was a fun show. Um, didn't love everything on Wrestle Kingdom, but you know, if you want to get more than that, just blurb. blurb. It, but it was still there. The, the last three, four matches, just, just Chef's Kiss. You know what I mean? Anyway, um, but yeah, no, I mean, Athena. It's been the Athena show. It's what I've been calling it for a long time now. It's been the Athena show. It will continue to be the Athena show. Um, and it doesn't look like they're looking to pull that anytime soon. And I don't really blame them because they really, I mean, they're building some stuff right now. I think with the with the Kingdom, maybe we, we might have something with. I mean, I think you definitely have something with the kingdom. Let me be clear, but I think that there's going to be something there with that. Dalton Castle seems to be back on his bullshit. You know what I mean? Um, Johnny TV and Taya Valkyrie being there is huge. I think Ring of Honor is in like poised in a really good position right now, and I think having Athena at the head of that charge, I don't think you could have anybody the better. Head of the right table, now. baby. Exactly, my tribal chief right there. Yeah. So another unanimous award from us. It, it just it makes sense, you know, and. uh you know, we got another unanimous back-to-back. Fuck it. Three in a row. Four in a row. That's right. It's four in a row. Ring of Honor, best tag. We have the kingdom. The undisputed kingdom, which they're being billed as for the upcoming collision. So, yeah. Uh, good for them. For uh, You know, their stock's higher than fucking ever. I'm sure they're going to be out there with some un- new gear. You know? So... They deserve this, man. I mean, we were we were looking up and down at the tag teams, and I, I'm sure we'd love to give it to the infantry, but it just doesn't compare to the year that the kingdom had. So, uh, well deserved for these guys. And uh, I, I'll, I'll put I it to you like this: what they do next. I've been asking for them to pull the trigger on the infantry since day one this year when they first started. I think it literally was like I don't know if there was Honor Club in January, but whenever Honor Club started, I remember I want to say in the first weeks they were featured heavily on first there, episode. And I remember saying it, it, they reunited yeah, the tag. first episode. Literally. And I remember being like, yep, I remember saying this before, and then they did it, and I was like, yep, just pull the trigger on this. Make these your tag champions eventually. You don't have to do it now, but start building them up again there. They built them up for a long time. I think the crowd even likes them. Like, they get pops sometimes, you know what I mean? Like, but it, they just didn't have a chance because the kingdom, the kingdom gave them their best match. No cap, you know what I mean? Like, um, unless they have one with FTR that I can't remember, which might have happened. But either way, one of their best matches came from the kingdom this year. And the kingdom went on to go on and do other stuff with other people, including obviously the big ass storyline on AEW that you can't ignore. So I know we're doing Ring of Honor Award, but 
I feel like all this stuff factors in. They to some show extent. up on you, Ring like, of Honor, even though they're featured in AEW, which is yes. fucking rare. And that's something that I always bitch about when talking about Ring oh, of yeah. Honor is not no, having the yeah. champions on the show. We well, guess what? We're going to have champions on the fucking show now. If we were doing a year in review of Ring of Honor, there would be some fucking some uh, emotions flying about that, to say the least. I yeah, I would not. Yeah, <laughs> so just to recap, um, we have a uh, men's best wrestler for Duke. We got we got MJF for me. We got Brian Danielson, women's wrestler of the year, unanimous Tony Storm, tag team of the year FTR, Ring of Honor wrestler of the year, unanimous Athena, Ring of Honor best tag team the Kingdom. So, if uh, I will tell you this, do you want to hear something crazy about the about the site that I think is absolutely yeah. true? If they put the titles on um, on the righteous, I think the righteous win this award. You know what? I'm going to agree with you because they had a fucking great year on TV yeah. too. No, I'm but they just didn't win the big one, and, and they kind of abandoned them. No, they felt like they had the perfect position to take the titles off of Adam and, and MJF, and. That might have even added to the storyline. It would have still worked either way, because then you'd have been like, "Oh, now Adam might turn on him," and that would start. Maybe, maybe that would have been too obvious. But the point is, like, they could have done that, and it would have made sense, and it would have made the fucking. It would, I, I just don't understand why they decided not to do that with the righteous. I, I, maybe they don't win the award, but they at least get into the consideration because you have to consider a team that that gets that. Well, but that's the thing that what, defines it. Weeks, if that, so yeah, I don't. Eh, whatever, yeah. whatever. What, what are you gonna do? Yeah. Let's jump into our matches of the year, huh? Opening us up. Let's do it. We got pay-per-view match of the year. For me, it's none other than Wrestle Dreams, Zack Sabre Jr. versus Brian Danielson. That is Wrestle Dream, right? I believe so, yes. yes. It was not on uh, Forbidden Door, I think, because I uh, somebody was injured or he just couldn't make the show or something. They just decided not yeah, to do it. So Wrestle Dream, Zack Sabre Jr., Brian Danielson. Guys, what more can I say about this match? It was truly, to me, it was it was as nearly perfect as as it could get, and um, in, in entirety for my matches of the year, I think I would it would be really close between this one and Will Osprey for Kenny Omega. Oh, dude, yeah, of course, because uh, it was on my birthday, and I remember it was my birthday present from Tony yeah, Khan. Okay, so okay. yeah, just um, so I mean, I'm talking even if we're counting New Japan, this is a top two match of the year. It's probably number one. So yeah, I really love this match, and you know, this is an, inevitably. I always make this joke, but. When the streaming service happens for AW, there's so many matches I need to go back and check out. You know what's going to be the first one? It's probably it's it's going to be this one right now. Like it's this one and Kenny Omega, Brian Danielson from the first Grand Slam. Those are the first two matches I'm going to watch. I wanted to rewatch that match so badly, dude, and it sucks. Dude, that I we just can't. remember the fucking like, initial ding, 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 and the crowd like erupts. I've never seen anything yes. like that. They literally just stood there for a few minutes because they were like, "Bro, like." I've never, this is insane, like... With the time limit draw, like, that was... Oh, oh, peak. So good, so fucking good. Did AEW peak on the first show that Brian Danielson wrestled <laughs> Kenny on? Did it happen? Oh, no. Flash forward now, just, I mean, what a special run. I just go back to that, oh my. Um, pay-per-view match of the year, Duke. What do you got for us? Uh, You know, I, I might be MJF glazing a little bit this year, and that's because man had a great fucking year. But I'm also going to be glazing the man who deserves all the glaze, which is Brian Danielson taking on MJF in a 60-minute Iron Man match. First pay-per-view main event of the year. And uh, my God, what a, what a phenomenal match. I mean, Iron Man matches for me are always like a blast just because you know you're getting a ridiculous amount of good wrestling. You know what I mean? 
And you know that there, it's not going to be like overblown. I mean, I've, I'm sure there's been bad Iron Man matches before, but it's like one of those things where because of the history with that type of match and the two types of uh, different styles of wrestling you were going to get because yes, MJF can do the technical wizardry stuff. I'm not saying that he can't, but he wrestles a lot more like that attraction style wrestler that he like loves to call himself. You know what I mean? Like, so you get that mix and it's almost kind of like perfect because Brian loves to wrestle big giant dudes anyway. So like you get this giant buff ass MJF and you get this Brian Danielson who's just, you know, doing his Brian Danielson thing and doing all the technical shit and doing all the submissions and making it look like he really is hurting people. It's probably like, you know, 10% of the time he actually is, you know what I mean? Like, um, it's my guess anyway, you know, like, um, like Brian Danielson is to me the best wrestler of all time. It's not even close. And it's certainly of the modern era of wrestlers, certainly his generation and maybe like a couple of generations on either side, because like, it's just when a, when a wrestler like Brian Danielson comes along and can literally get the WWE who at the point when he got them to do it was never going to pick a guy like him to be the person to walk out of mania as a world champion. Right. He literally did the wrestling thing where the crowd was so behind him. He was undeniable. And now he's gone and he's ascended that somehow. I don't know how you ascend above that, but that's where he's at at this point. And then you collide with an MJF who's trying to ascend to that level that Brian was at this year with his world title run. And this is the first match of his title run that is going to be really contested at a pay-per-view. I, I think the story here is incredible. It going to the time limit with no with with a tie. I believe was a tie. Was it tied at zero or was it tied at three three? Oh, three three. Okay, I could. I, I knew it was a tie. I wasn't sure if they just went zero zero because they, they both got three falls. By the way, the falls leading up to it, I can't even. I'm sure I could go to my notes and reference that stuff, but I don't want to spend too much time on an individual award. Um, but. Uh, anyway, and it, then the oxygen st- tank stuff, both the use of it after oh. the time is up and before they did the five more minutes, the five more minutes being also as incredible as the previous 60. And then the ending with the, like I said, as, as I said, with the uh, oxygen tank being used as a weapon. So that MJF is still kind of a bad guy. But even afterward, he was like, ah, did I have to do that? Like you could tell that there was a shift in MJF's character during this match because of both how the crowd got behind him oh, yeah. and how he went out there and executed the match and what he did afterward. And he planted the seeds that would lead him to the rest of the year at this point. So when, when I talked about earlier that it's this beginning part here is what set MJF up for the story that he's going to go on this year with Adam Cole all the way through to World's End, right? This was the catalyst, as Jay White would call it, for all of that stuff. And I think it's incredible they managed to do that in the first pay-per-view. And, and it stuck with me all year. I, I said when we reviewed it that it was a good chance it was going to stick with me all year. And it yeah. did because, my God, it, Brian Danielson. It was Danielson's. so special. It was it's the best oh. world championship AW matches ever, AEW has ever had. Like, And it still is to this day. So, yeah, that was truly one of a kind. So, uh, jumping right into it, you got Dynamite Match of the Year. Who who do you got for us? So this is one that I was uh, when this match happened. I was like, oh yeah, no, this is this is. I, if something beats this, I'll be shocked. <laughs> I honestly cannot remember what I had before this too. There was another match I had on here that was on Dynamite. I don't remember what it was. It was also something insane. I'm sure. Um, maybe it was something with the Kesha or something. Don't know, but. Um, this match, Claudio Castagnoli versus Eddie Kingston, title for title, New Japan Strong Championship of Eddie Kingston versus the Ring of Honor World Championship of Claudio Castagnoli. Um, 
this is a feud that goes back years. I mean, it goes back to before Claudio went to WWE and when they were both in Chicago and it kind of left this unsettled and there was still beef there. And, you know, there was kind of probably some legit beef because he was like, man, we could have finished this. And we had this really great story going on. And then you just go off to the WWE and get the bag, but like shit, uh, you know, and I'm pretty sure these guys don't actually don't like each other to some extent. I feel like I could feel that, you know, like, um, and if, even if it's just all story, then that's just incredible storytelling by both guys. So that complements this match even more in this story overall. So, um, so good. This, this was my favorite story in Claudio's, um, world title reign that he had up that lighted up, up to an ended here. Uh, the first version, I mean like that, the, when they first fought and Eddie lost, that was my favorite story up to that point. And when they ran this back and Eddie had just gone on to win the new Japan strong championship. There's a part of you in your head that goes, he just won a world title. There's like no reason for him to like want more. win, want more, but there's no reason for someone to book him as a world champion like that. There's just, that usually isn't how it goes. Not necessarily. Yeah. Um, just this first crowning moment of many that Eddie was going to have this year, which again, as I talked about with MJF, if you want to talk about the through line all the way to world's end, he gets his second title here. He then puts those two titles on the line in the classic, which he then walks out with a third title. This is the year of Eddie Kingston putting his fucking money where his mouth is. And I love that. Um, so just give me your thoughts on this this match, Charlie. It was an insane match. I can't believe it happened on a fucking dynamite. That's so insane to me. Saying that this match on the dynamite was better than their pay-per-view main event. It was that fucking good. These guys, something clicked this day. And, um, you know, it was actually, it was just so fucking good, man. It was so good. And Eddie Kingston, when he showed up, everyone was like, holy shit, this guy can talk. But now, the talking's secondary. Now everyone talks about how good of a wrestler he is. And it's, uh, it's, it's, it's matches like this that prove that point, you know? So, yeah, really, really good stuff there. And my Dynamite Match of the Year came, uh, all the way back in May, where we had Kenny Omega versus El Hijo Del Vikingo. One of our rare Kenny Omega singles oh, matches. Oh, never mind. That's what it was. That's the match. Yeah, one of our rare Kenny Omega singles matches this year on AEW television. He didn't get many, but when he did, he took advantage of it. And this match was under 20 minutes, and it was a fucking... It was the definition of a showcase. So they treated this match like they had the number one draft pick showing up. They treated this match... Like, they had something you've never seen showing up. And he, Vikingo fucking delivered. We've had, like, I wish I had the exact number, but we've had, like, probably 20 Vikingo matches since in combined Ring of Honor and AEW. It might be more. He's featured nearly every week. I mean, the dude can do things that nobody else can do, though. And, <laughs> and I mean, it's, it's like Kenny Omega level. It all spawned from this. And I remember, you know, Many of the debates this year came from, you know, we can trace it back to the exact moment it started. And this match was dubbed a dream match about six days out before it happened. And that started, that got people talking. And my God, could they have fucking delivered more than they did here? Because I had only ever seen one Vikingo thing and it was in GCW and it was a six man. That was it. Like, I, I, I knew who he was, 
but I'd never like seen him work a singles match, let alone Kenny Omega. I knew him from wrestling gifts on Twitter. Not even gifts, wrestling clips on Twitter. They would upload these like 20 second yeah. clips of matches from him in AAA and he'd be doing shit that looked like fake. It looked like not real. Like that's what, how ridiculous it looked. But it also, I think, partially was the cameras over there and the positioning of them, which was not great. When you see him on an American shot, not that it has anything to do with being shot in America, with a well-highly produced television show that we would be used to watching wrestling-wise, and you can see it like that, it just it, it puts more of a spotlight on what the guy is actually capable of, which is insane. It, it was unreal, and it was flawless. It was fucking perfect. And, uh, yeah, I, it was, it was the smorgasbord of professional wrestling that AEW is, was, uh, on display that night. So yeah, really, really neat. Um, I mean, Hey, I can already tell you my dynamite, uh, AEW awards for 2024, I already got dynamite filled up right now, man. It needs to be overtaken. This whole, we will get into it on uh Monday or Tuesday or whatever the fuck, whenever we get the podcast uploaded, but, uh, holy Takeshita and fucking Darby Allen. Wow, that was fucking impressive. Um, how about uh, I should save it, but how about Darby landing on his feet out of the fucking German? I, I can't bro? believe what? it. I, what that match was slapped so fucking hard for no reason. Oh my god! Nah, not for no reason. It's two really talented wrestlers. I mean, that's the reason. Right. Rampage match of the year. I'll lead us off here, and uh, we got to get the haterade involved, man. And she fucking earned this spot. Jamie Hayter, Emi Sakura, in my opinion, probably my favorite AEW Women's Match of the Year. And I feel pretty confident saying that. It was uh, really, really special. It was really fun. It was like heat of the moment. It was in fucking January, dude. I thought I thought we were going to get a lot more Emi Sakura than we got this year. And uh, yeah, I just really love this match. This was This was like a fucking... A, a hard hitting like Japanese style match that we've we see these glimpses of sometimes in AEW, and uh, Jamie Hader and Emi Sakura really went out there and did it. Now we need that Jamie Hader versus Mariah May or Emi Sakura Mariah May match next because Mariah can clearly fucking hang. So yeah, I uh, that this match to me caught lightning in a bottle and it didn't escape my mind for twelve months. So I thought, you know, I I almost replaced it. I almost did. And uh, I think it's actually the match you, you're about to pick. It was the one I almost replaced it with, but I didn't. So, funny enough. That being said, Duke, Rampage, match of the year. Uh, first of all, uh, what did you think of this Jamie and, and Emmy match? And uh, w- what was your favorite Rampage match of the year? Yeah, it was just a perfect example of them doing the thing that I always request that they do with the women whenever they're like not getting featured in the way that I think they should be, which is just let them go out there, have some a little bit of time, Give them a main event or a match. Just give them something, and they will absolutely deliver, and then you'll have no excuse to not book them for a little bit. And it's usually how it always goes. So I'm uh, not surprised that those two went in a... I think it was one of those ones that when I reviewed AEW Dark Elevation, she would be on there a lot. I don't know why. Just on Elevation, she just happened to be there a lot. So I started to see her a lot. And so, you know, even if it's just a, like what I would think as a jobber, even though she wasn't, she was losing a lot of matches, but she was considered like a main like dark talent if you will if there's such a thing right so like um not that i think they considered them you know what i'm saying like in my mind that's what she ended up actually being she was just someone that was regularly featured on dark even if she wasn't on awtv um but i just started noticing how good she was and i was like okay and so uh, every time they give her an opportunity especially when jamie was like already about to go you know the energy that jamie ended up having for the next seven months where she had 
um, you know, just these um, unbelievable matches. This was the match that kicked all that yeah, off. And I think it really that, was. Um, I think that it boded well. But uh, yeah, so getting into mine, I'm not, I'm not going to spend a ton of time talking about this match because it's just, it's so incredible. You should go back and watch it if you can find it somewhere. Um, you know, like, I don't know where you'd find it uh, other than like, on do they do streams of Rampage and stuff like that on like Fight TV? I don't even know. I assume you can get a replay of that somewhere. But Hey man, you can um, get the clips on YouTube. Oh yeah, yeah. Or just yeah, just watch a clip from it. Uh, we had uh, uh, Action Andretti in Top Flight, uh, which this is one of the first matches back for Dante that he has. Uh, you know, after coming off that horrific injury, taking on Penta El Zero Miedo. P- sorry, Penta El Zero Miedo, uh, El Hijo del Vikingo, uh, uh, Vikingo, and uh, Commander. I-, I can pronounce these names. I swear, I- this is not literally something I do every week. Anyway. Um, <laughs> What's sad is all these guys are featured on Ring of Honor, and I just fucking fumbled it anyway. But anyway, yeah, so it's uh, basically a team of, like, infinite lucha fucking badassery uh, (laughs) versus, uh, you know, young infinite lucha badassery, you know. Um, And I I actually think Action Andretti deserves a little bit of credit because I think he, in his singles, I think his his experience as a singles wrestler allows him in these trios matches to go in one-on-one with some of the other guys that are, like, way more experienced in terms of wrestlers overall, but just in these tag matches and he like can hold his own. And I think that's really, really helpful because you know, I'm sure there are moments in every tag team where they're like, damn, I'm kind of losing people here. What I need some, you know, I really wish I feel like that's what the benefit of trios is like when the, ma- I'm sure you've noticed this before too, Charlie, we've watched trios matches before in AEW where the crowd's kind of like not really with it. And then, so they just do a quick tag out somebody pops in and the crowd's immediately back in, you know what yep. I mean? Like, cause they just have the yep. right energy. So I don't know if that's like a pivot in the middle of a match that might be planned and intentionally <laughs> done on purpose. And so credit to where it's due, but uh, I just noticed the action in this match. I noticed that uh, Dante is looking like he's on fire lately. Um, Darius has not lost a step on the run that he was on with action. I just, the, the creation of this top light trio and putting them against these guys. I mean, that's just a genius move off rip. So, um, give me your thoughts on this match, Charlie, before we move on to our next the award. Definition of fucking lucha libre, just super fast pacing. That you know, it it was like the Cirque du Soleil wrestling that I I I get a good fix out of, you know. So if as Shinsuke Nakamura said, it's a fighting art, right? How, how did they describe the art this day? Oh my god, they fucking they were flying. The art was 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 off the air. It was in the air, I should say, off the ground. So. I'd like to see what percentage of this match they were actually in the air for. It's probably higher than most. <laughs> yeah, honestly, actually. Um, that being said, our, our first here for us, AEW Collision came on in June. So uh, we have a Collision match of the year, and you you start us off here. What do you What do you got for us? We oh my god, the Collision main events were unreal. Be a disservice. Yeah, you could literally pick any collision main event, and it's pretty much. There were so many, so in. many fucking good ones. Uh, for this one, I had MJF versus uh, Kenny Omega for the AW World Championship. Um, uh-huh. No surprise that Kenny Omega is going to somehow sneak into these awards, even though he, d- he didn't really do like, like I, I, he did a lot this year, but he didn't do Two nearly as much like as I thought he was going six to. Six singles matches snuck into our awards. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Kenny Omega for you. Yeah. He's got fucking five-star matches in his pocket. You know what I mean? So it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, dude. Dude dude is literally like, I, dude can have like less than 10 matches in a year at singles and still have one of the best singles match years of any fucking wrestler. It's insane. But, um... And that just shows you how good he is and why we put him 1A and 1B with fucking Brian Danielson. But uh, 
We might have to put a 1C, Charlie, because fucking MJF is getting in there as well. MJF is starting to have some of the best matches in AEW, and this was a perfect example of them realizing that somewhere throughout the year and saying, hey, this is a fucking dream match now because we saw what he did against Brian. We saw what he did against X, you know, like fucking throw him against Kenny. See what happens. Kenny has recently not really been in the world title scene, so people would definitely buy that he went back into it. And it kind of fit what Kenny was doing at the time. He was kind of directionless. And so he was like, fuck you, MJF. I want the title. And MJF was like, bet. So then they had a match and it was a fucking great match. So, uh, Charlie, what did you have? Uh, well, uh, first of all, yeah. uh, give me your thoughts a little bit more on this match. But then what did you have for your match of the year yeah, for so Collision? That match was completely unexpected. It was on the fly. And it was so fucking smart, too, because, you know. Obviously, we got best well wishes to Kenny Omega. I mean, the guy just do some serious like medical stuff and diverticulitis and stuff. So, um, you know, it's been it's been a rocky road for him, and I'm really glad we got this match and they went out there and did the damn thing. For me, I am going with one of my favorite tag team matches of all time, and I don't say that lightly because I think it's deserved. Well, they were knocking the pineapples out of each other. I think it's deserved. And that's FTR versus Bullet Club Gold being Juice Robinson and Jay White. Two out of three falls on Collision. I think it was week six of Collision. And I was in disbelief. We had a legit pay-per-view made event in the main event of Collision. They made their entrances at 8.55. When that happened, we knew we were in for something special. And, um... Again, I, it's it's a match like this where I'm like, yeah, FTR was the best tag team of the year. Of course they fucking were. This match was so goddamn good. And, you know, I, I just... Uh, I'm so glad that FTR is doing their final run with AEW. That was a big part of the year was they signed their last... Dax Harwood said this was our last contract. And we signed it with AEW. And we got this match after that contract. So there's 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 a parallel universe where this match doesn't exist. You know, they went out there and had this fucking match against, uh, I don't know, Alpha Academy, and it was awesome. But, you know, it wasn't this, because they would not... Oh, Alpha Academy, how the fuck are we talking about that? <laughs> it would not get the time that it got here in the Collision Made event, and it was unfucking believable Um, so, yeah. Jay White, find his way out of the awards. Hey, let's go. It won't be the first, or it won't be the last time. Ring of Honor, best match. Again, Ring of Honor, we left it open. You know, if we did Honor Club, it... Wait, hold up. Question. Yes. I, and I'm not going to... We're not going to change anything. Did we miss on Bullet Club Gold for best fucking tag team? No. Okay. No. They weren't a tag team long enough. I'll tell you what. If Juice and Jay White became a legit tag team, more than just this storyline, like they were against Ricky, sure. I'll give you that. But a lot of this stuff was, was kind of, you know, teamed up. <laughs> but I will say um, or even what the guns did though I mean eh. hey guns could be most approved that that if if we had an award if we still had that award yeah for sure so we canned that award we said fuck them yeah um ring of honor best match we left this open it could be honor club it could be pay-per-view uh again he, he got onto the awards twice and for me it's commander versus El Hijo del Vikingo god damn it this guy's so fucking awesome uh, this match ripped open a pay-per-view and it fucking stole the night for me. This was the same night of the Eddie and, and Claudio match. And I remember we did um our review or whatever 
And I was thinking the whole time, I'm like, the best match of the night just happened first. That doesn't happen. I felt like we peaked. And uh, that's okay. Because these guys are... Leave it to fucking Athena. These guys are fucking incredible. These guys are absolutely incredible. And they, they deserve it. Um, so yeah, Commander and El Hijo Del Vikingo. Commander, another new signee to AEW in 2023. You guys are noticing a trend with a lot of our awards, huh? We just need Vikingo now. Yeah, so ROH, best match as our Ring of Honor Honor Club expert, the Digital Phantom Duke. What do you got for us? There was one match that I think was the best match in Ring of Honor this year, and uh, that was Willie Mac versus Ninja Mac. No, I'm just kidding. Um, imagine. No. Um, it was Athena Mac. versus Billy Starks. Yeah, the Mac battle. The Battle of Mac. Um, no, we had we had uh, Athena versus Billy Starks uh, at Ring of Honor Final Battle for the Ring of Honor Women's World Championship. Women main eventing the show. The biggest show of the Ring of Honor calendar year. Um, we talked about how Athena uh defined ring of honor this year she defined ring of honor in general really over the last couple of years and there's not a lot more that can be said um beyond that this match was as good as a men's world title main event would have been but the women were the one that put it on and they got to go on last which i think hopefully to the wrestling world is a fucking massive statement um and so this match to me isn't just about how great the match was because the match was fucking amazing but it was also because there was another match that athena had this year against willow nightingale yep. and they started referencing some of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time fucking arsenals and women from japan that like probably like 10 people i've even ever heard of that are still around you know what i mean in the wrestling community like i'm exaggerating but like that was a phenomenal in-ring match but the story that was told throughout the year with the minion stuff and Billy not being able to beat her the first time and finally getting this opportunity after all this time because Athena needed her to step up, you know, I and finally getting Athena's respect at the end of this. I and then reforming the MIT or whatever they're being called now, the minions deal. Athena deserves to be all over the Ring of Honor Awards this year. But not only that, she deserves probably if she could somehow sneak into the AEW awards, if she had just done enough, you know what I mean? Like, I think she could have done it because, like, I just can't think of a singular wrestler's year that I could look back on and say that it was as good as Athena's was in Ring of Honor. You know, like, it's, again, it no, so no nothing, there's just nothing bad I can say about it. I don't think it ever got stale. I don't think it ever got boring. I don't think there was ever a really a bad contender. Even the fucking like bullshit, like less than 10 minute, like squash matches were pretty good. Most of the time, you know, agreed. Agreed. I think they changed women's wrestling with this match. I, I hope I'm right. And, and um, I'll tell you what, I, I got a feeling that something got into Tony after this match and the constant women's wrestling chance and you name it. And I, I know NXT proved like three months ago, I want to say they booked one of their best shows, one of their biggest shows of the year. And it had six women's matches on it. And I, I've got to tell you, man, like, like Shawn Michaels will probably win Booker of the year unanimously. Like, you know, we're talking about awards right here. He's probably going to win it on all the big ones, the wrestling observer, the Fightful select because of what he did this year with his roster. 
in terms of all the biggest companies, Shawn Michaels definitely has the weakest roster. And he did shit like that. And it's it's moments like that and moments like this Billy Starks and Athena match that I hope spoke some volumes. I really I really hope it did. And just following this, we've heard of a new Ring of Honor women's championship, a secondary championship in Ring of Honor that we have Red Velvet showing up for. I mean, you name it, we got AEW talent and stars showing up for this title. And we had now Collision, where we had two women's matches on one night, uh, Rampage with two women's matches on one night. And some people might be like, oh, well, what's so special about that? It's because we've just had a formula in AEW where they do one women's match each show, and that's it. And for the majority of 2023 on Dynamite, it was tossed in the 930 death slot and they got maybe 8 to 12 minutes in total for two segments. Bro, Britt Baker can't even get fucking promo time. So it's like, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you, well-deserved best match for you. And, uh, yeah, those are our matches of the year. So now it's time to get into some of the little, little easier fun stuff. And, uh, you know, these are always so cool to us. Because <laughs> you never know what we're going to pick, right? Feud of the year. Um, I'll lead us off here. Uh, I had Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland. Uh, when we're talking about a feud that what's wrestling all about, man, this 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 was it. Wrestling is about feuds like this. The passion, the anger, the hate. They fought over more than just wanting to beat each other up in the ring. And uh, in terms of a feud, <laughs> I... Look, I, I don't want to say, could this be our, you know, how do, I don't want to jump the gun here. Remember how CM Punk versus MJF felt like a natural world title match to have when CM Punk was first champion before he got hurt? Yeah. yeah. You know what feels like a natural world title match when Swear wins the world title? It's this. It, it is this. Oh, yeah. Because we're running it back, this and if they like hold off the third top. match, buddy, ooh, buddy. Hey, man. Had an unbelievable year. Right? Unbelievable year. And this was arguably his best. This is the same year he had a fucking program with John Moxley that was unreal. And yet, I picked this feud with Swerve over it. That's what's funny the is level. for the entire year, up until this point, I had Adam Page versus John Moxley. And then Swerve just God, went and destroyed that, everything. Adam Page you know? is the most reliable motherfucker outside. Adam Page and John Moxley have been the aces in this. Country. No, Adam Page probably should have never lost the world title to CM Punk. I'm looking back on it now, saying, man, maybe he should still be champion. Summer of Punk. It was spent. It was most. It was supposed to be the fucking so good. It's the fucking summer of Moxley. Uh, what do you mean? Yeah, right. Uh, so, what do you got for feud of the year? Oh, what? The same yeah, thing. That's right. Unanimous. Uh, yep. Yeah, we both have Adam Page versus Swerve Strickland. This was this was uh, a fucking you know. Honestly, we might have we might have missed on one thing, which most underrated might be Adam Page this year because he just silently was in the background, just doing great shit. Resigned a long term deal, so he's clearly a company guy. You know what I mean? Like I, you know, like dude, dude had a great year and just kind of was just you know he never really got a shot at anything, which is kind of wild when you consider how he was world champion like not long ago. You know, like. He's the forever babyface of AEW. Yeah, I mean, like he's going to be. And when he turns heel, though, oh yeah, cool when, buddy. when it happens, it's going to be unreal. Like, I hate to say what I'm about to say, but he's he's what I think Cody Rhodes wanted to be in terms of the forever babyface. 
Cody didn't want to turn heel in AEW. Yeah, I don't even think Hangman ever needs to go for another title. Besides, if he wants to go for the world title, he can. But I don't think he even needs to. I think he's cemented as a star, no matter what. Like, which I think is crazy because he's only he's only been doing this in AEW for a few years now. You know what I mean? Like, which is kind of wild. But he's been there since I think from Jump, right? He was at the press conference, yeah, wasn't he? So really, really fucking cool. dude. Uh, dude deserves his fucking flowers, and we should probably no, do no, him more. Now that I think was, about it. He's oh, part well. of the original five that started it. Oh, that's yeah. even yeah, even Cody further true. Yeah. Nothing. Nick and didn't they have the first main event of Dynamite? Him and the somebody first, like the first ever. Uh, the the AW announcement was the January first video. Cody had on his phone double or nothing. Nick and Matt had double or nothing. Hangman Page, the camera's away from him. He's like, guys, I got something else. He points his phone at the camera and it says AEW. There was a. I was actually so. Technically, Hangman was the first one to have AEW to show everybody the name then, AEW. That's pretty crazy. He's, but as as part of the DNA as you possibly yeah, can be. With Kenny obviously being the other one, and so it's like, ah, oh, so fucking cool, man. Uh, Hangman Adam motherfucking Page, the forever. He's the babyface that everyone should fear. You know what? Fuck it. Give me him versus Samoa Joe before. Give him that match before Swerve gets it, just to piss Swerve off and have them run instead of running that feud back immediately. Like, because you could still do it because it's been enough time. But like, instead of running that back right away, have Hang maybe like I don't have time for you. I have a world title shot, something like that. That'd be fucking cool. Because he was wanting a world title shot. Remember recently against MJF. So yeah, I mean, yeah, bro. But he doesn't take you know what I'm saying? Advice, so he's a piece of shit. Um. So review of the year. Hit us. You're a person. Yeah, I think this is going to be another unanimous, buddy. Uh, I believe Forbidden Door 2023 was the best pay-per-view of the year. Um, Yeah, so uh, we had the run back of probably... are those the two, like, individually, like, two of the best... They, they, they have to be up there for the two of the best matches of the year, right? The the two matches with uh, Will and, yes. and Kenny, right? Yes. Um. There, which one do you think is better? That's the, the real Wrestle question. Kingdom. The Wrestle Kingdom match to okay. me is the only one that comes close to uh, Omega and Okada. This match, this That's match fair. was great, unbelievably great. This was a really fun yes. match. Yes, uh, but no, the Wrestle Kingdom match. There, there was something about that match that it it might be my favorite match ever, which is kind of crazy. We also had. Uh... A sneaky match on this show that looked good, but we just didn't know, which was CM Punk versus Satoshi Kikajima. Yeah. Uh, another really great match. CM Punk's probably CM best Punk's match return. that he's had since he that was came the back. Match. Yeah. Yep. And he fucking delivered. So, which I think is maybe what maybe, maybe gave Punk his confidence to that he's on the run that he's on now in WWE. You know what I mean? Like, not that he's been doing it the whole time, but you know what I mean? Like, what, what he's the momentum he has. You know what I mean? The energy. Um, there was, I mean, I don't have the card pulled up, but like, there's plenty of really great uh, matches. I'm sure that we could go Tanahashi. through the run this show. This was the Tony Storm there versus Willow Nightingale match. Jack Perry versus Sonata. And our, our main event was Danielson Okada with the broken arm. Oh, and that is the fucking match with the broken, broken arm. arm. <laughs> Which, you know, at the time, oh, that match felt Edison. good, but it felt like it wasn't as good as it could be. And they had their perfect match. But now we know why, and it makes you go, was it no, way yeah, better than exactly. I even realized they had then? Their perfect match together. It, it, I do but, want to rewatch that one with the knowledge that he's got an arm broken for most of the match and just see if I can even notice. And if I can't, then like it the might Seth be the greatest Rollins match of all time. Where the guy fucking popped his shoulder out the first like three minutes. And popped it back in like seconds later and just continued oh, the match. I, I, won I the fucking world championship. Won that title. Fucking Finn, dude. Prince Devitt. He won the fucking title. 
right away from NXT. Brotherberg. Yeah, you, that guy needs to make an AW run. Oh, hell fucking yeah. Uh, I, Can you imagine if he shows up at Forbidden Door, bro? Uh, dressed as fucking Prince Devin. Jumps edge. Fuck it. Ah, that, oh, shit. Adam Copeland, I'm coming for your head. Your judgment day has come. <laughs> uh, favorite promo. This is always a fun one for me. Um, last year, Christian Cage is infamous. Your father is dead. He carried on that more this year. Uh, and he had some unbelievable... God, he was so good. I can't wait to talk on... on, on a... Got to tip it to Mox as well this year, always cutting, the, especially throughout the Continental Classic and various other things so he did, but good. dude's um, always cutting great but promos. There's one to me that stuck out the most, and, you know, for favorite promo, I I, I want to pick something that I think... You know, fuck it. Why, why, even put, why even put ramifications on it? It's the one that's my favorite. And I'm going to MGF's Rebar Mitzvah with the Four Pillars. Was this promo perfect? Absolutely not. Because Jack Perry was not great in this. Sammy Guevara was not great in this. But yet they got their points across. And I think everyone played the perfect role in this. This was funny. There was oh shit moments. There were moments in this where I felt like we were seeing the future foundation. that We were seeing the foundation of AEW become the future of AEW. And um, the future foundation. Yeah, shit. Fortnite, <laughs> here it comes. Um, I just, I really, really loved this promo. And, uh, you know, I, I got a feeling Christian Cage is going to win it for me next year. But we can go on that another day. You know what? If we get a lot of Osprey bruv promos, that might, one of them might steal it when he slips up and calls someone like a bruv motherfucker or something. That's going to slip in. and Yeah, literally. You know, when, he, when he tells Adam Copeland, I'm going to break your fucking neck, bruv. You know, uh, it'll get me. So uh, what do you got for your favorite promo? Yeah, this one is uh, one that I knew was never going to get beat. Um, when Adam Cole came back at the beginning of this year, I actually don't know how long into the year it was, however long into the year it was. But when Adam Cole came back early in the year, um, after we had not seen him for so goddamn long, and just we felt the fucking void that was not having Adam Cole. And even with all the emotion that came throughout the year when we lost him again, twice if i think it was twice right he got he was gone again and then came back from that and i think that's or has, has the foot injury been the second time he's been gone maybe it just felt like forever because it was so close to when he originally came back the point is like adam cole's promo when he returned i just felt like it connected to me so much because he he highlighted some stuff like because i wasn't the only person saying this and i knew that that i just didn't want adam cole to like I just wanted him to be happy and I knew that he was never going to be happy if he couldn't wrestle. Cause I just know from watching the guy, this is his thing is his passion is his love, you know? Um, and watching and knowing that he was struggling to get back and seeing the stories that you would originally, originally occasionally get where he'd be like, yeah, things are not going well for Adam Cole in recovery right now. It's looking like it's going to be longer. And just knowing how much that probably killed the guy, I just really wanted him to not, I remember saying specifically, I don't care if he ever wrestles again. I just want him to be okay. You know, I just don't want him to break his body trying to get back for us. Yeah. You know, like, and he highlighted the stuff like that. And that really connected with me personally. So, and, and you know, um, what? this promo could have just been an advertisement for their new show, but Adam Cole went out there and put his heart into it and he put real emotions into it. And he showed off how great he is at talking to people because it's very important to note this literally he was sent out there as an advertisement 
as well as a return. And everyone looks past the advertisement in that moment. And, and I think that's true talent. And that, that shows a great promo. You know, Kenny Omega tells us wrestling is romance. It's, it's shit like that, man. You know? And it's Cole Carter's hot mom's shirt. So, you name it. Uh, jumping from favorite promo, dude. Bro, do you think that hot mom shit with Cole Carter is a shoot? Definitely. Yeah, I remember that it. news article we covered about Adam Copeland wanting to work with Griff Garrison, and he, he the quote was, "If he ever started a faction in AEW, he'd he'd start with him." You remember that? Remember we went over that? Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, that's pretty fucking cool. I mean, hey, he could still do it. That faction with Maria, I don't know if that's going anywhere, especially with the Kingdom doing their own thing now, which she's not necessarily connected always to, but you know, presumably eventually she will. That, be. Uh, huh? Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, favorite storyline. Uh, God, better than you, baby. Better than you, baby. Yeah, this I one's so an easy pick for both of us. Line. I was so against it. I, I was like, are we seriously doing a fucking, we have the greatest tag division on the planet, and we're, we're sticking two guys that don't like each other in this mixed tag bullshit. I was so against it. Well, I think we both just hated that there was, like, we had just gotten done, I think, with Owen Hart, right? And they just immediately threw together, or maybe it was during Owen was, Hart, even, or something crazy, during, like. That was our reason for Adam Cole. Like, it was during it. Owen Hart, they just announced this other tournament. It's like, what are you doing? Or during something. It was some, there was something else going on, and it just felt, like, so like out of place. And, like, turn that anger into fucking happiness and joy and what ended up being a fucking highlight of the year. It better than you, baby. It was absolutely my favorite. Tuning in week in and week out was the easiest while this was happening. And, um, you know, has, did it maybe go on too long? Maybe. But you know what? That's a problem that most wrestling has. I don't know if it went on too long. They they definitely held the titles for yes. too long, I think. And, and that, like, that we'll was the, about my the, favorite They were both hurt, so. I think my favorite moment went too short. So it's like, it, it's truly a, a, a teeter-totter that's never going to end on the perfect angle. So, you know, uh, yeah. That was my favorite storyline. You said we're unanimous here? Yeah. Yeah, I agreed. Yep. I, I mean, the kangaroo kicks, you name it, right? Like, their, their backstage segments getting fucking Chinese food in Ohio and a double clothesline in the waiter. Like, you name it, man. I mean, this was good shit. It was funny. The dance-off with MJF in the ring, or with uh, Daniel Garcia. Oh my god, I completely forgot. They did clothesline the waiter, or clothesline somebody backstage, and then Tony Khan was yelling at them in the office. They need to do a thing like that again. That was so Tony funny. Khan's funny in those bits. Yeah, dude. And people complain that he puts himself on TV too much. God damn it. Uh, favorite moment, man. What do you got for us? This is a really recent one, and I love that this ended up being it, but I just can't help but appreciate it. I already talked about it a little bit throughout this, and there's a little bit of through lines to some of my awards, which was funny because I didn't realize that at the time when I was creating them, but it ended up working out that way. And um, Eddie Kingston winning the Continental Classic, uh, becoming the first AEW Triple Crown holder, which is what I'm going to call it. I don't care what they're calling it in, in Japan or in AEW. It's it's not the Continental. The, the Continental Crown makes sense as a name for it. Yeah, but I'm not calling it the Continental Crown. I, I think crown. I just would. I, I think I'm going to prefer calling it the Triple Crown because that's really what Agreed. it's trying to emulate is the Agreed. Triple Crown of uh, of all Japan. Um, so especially with a guy like Eddie holding it, it just makes the most sense to refer to it that way. But anyway. Um, he's probably the most deserving ever to win like a major championship like this. I would think, um, the fact that all, I mean, I guess Tony Khan runs two of them, so whatever, but the fact that new Japan also has the confidence in this guy 
to be able to be their champion along with being a champion of two other companies that they're now like directly tied with in that way. And I, I just think it's such a cool moment and it, the tournament was so phenomenal and it, its ending was even more phenomenal. And it's kind of fitting that it ended with him and Mox because, you know, they had that great match before and, but, you know, then there's like, Eddie's also been a part of like exploding death wire of exploding barbed wire death match shit. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's, it's unfortunate, but it's also like, this is, I think going to go down is probably the most, probably the biggest moment in Eddie's career, I would think, right? At least up till this point, like he could go on to win the world title in AEW and that would be probably a bigger moment, but this is probably the biggest, certainly the biggest win of his career and definitely my favorite moment of the year for sure. Yeah, it was a, it was a really special moment and um, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we got to see that this year. You know, what a way to cap off the year for you, you know? My favorite moment was when AR Fox and Swerve Strickland broke in to Nick Wayne's, uh, his, his father's wrestling home gym, and they beat him to a bloody pulp. They called Darby Allen. It literally looked like a crime scene. It's a it's a moment I can't get out of my head. I think about it all the time, and I I, I think about I get upset of how 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 the storyline ended. I can't help but get upset about it because. I thought the pairing of AR Fox and Swerve was perfect. And, um, you know, I, at the end of the day, I will always have this moment. So I am, uh, I, I, I'm, ex- it's like, it's like probably the most surreal television segment in the last like 20 years of wrestling or something. It's the craziest shit I've ever seen. It was, it was truly fucking, it was an incredible moment. So most underrated. Now, uh, most underrated can be it can be mean a plethora of things. It can be whatever you want to be. It can be maybe they just win unseen. Maybe you know whatever. But for me, most underrated this year was Kenosuke Takeshita. And I'd be like, wait, dude, what the hell? This guy had beat Kenny Omega twice on pay per view. What? What? No, seriously, it's Kenosuke Takeshita because he's won those matches. He's had all these big moments. And yet it all seems like it's in the past. It all seems like it's forgotten about. It feels like Takeshita has to go out there and prove himself again. He should be seen as one of the top guys already. With those wins? With those victories? He's underrated. Because they've booked him fucking strong as mother... All hell. And yet this Don Callis family's been an unbelievable bust and uh yeah so yeah not in the good way yeah so and we just need to you know i i hope the match that he had this week on dynamite is a step in the right direction that like you know people can remember who kanosuke takeshita is people forget he's on i think the continental classic had he participated in it he would not have been my most underrated like it's that simple it just he fell to the background way way too fast so, yeah. Um, who do you got for your most underrated? Yeah, I mean, he won the TNT Championship twice, I guess, this year. So I guess you could say the same thing for my guy. But um, Christian Cage, I feel like at the beginning of the time when I wrote it in my notes, um, he wasn't as heavily featured in terms of like titles and stuff like that. Um, 
probably because they weren't sure they were getting Adam Copeland yet. You know what I mean? I mean, the contract still had to end or whatever, and they had to start negotiations and stuff like that or whatever. But I mean, like, you know, I don't know if there were plans at the beginning of this year for, for Christian Cage to be as involved as he was. He certainly was already on his streak of promos and stuff like that. That started like last year or something like that when he really started, <clears throat> excuse me, getting over with the crowd. But it seemed like through most of the year, he was just running his act with Luchasaurus or Killswitch. And so it was just kind of felt like, yeah, he's like the best manager in wrestling right now. He then transitioned from being the best manager in wrestling to being one of the best wrestlers in AEW, which is insane. Um, because he is older. We both know that, you know, and, but he was still putting on ridiculously good matches for his age. And then when you put him up against Adam Copeland, you're a little worried because, well, okay, they're both old, but they're both really talented and they both know each other like the back of their hands because they were tag partners for years and also their best friends. So you expect it to be a good match, but then they go on to have their next match and no DQ and it just fucking tears the house down. I think he had a great year from beginning to end. I think he helped get both Killswitch and Nick Wayne over in a way that they wouldn't have been. Um, I think when he was doing stuff with Jack Perry, that he was also really helpful and instrumental in Jack Perry of getting on the way that he's been on. Um, I don't know if that was this, this year, though. I could be wrong, but it might have not might not have been. What Did they yeah, do yeah. something this Jack, year? I can't remember. It was remember. a pay-per-view match this year. I thought so, but I, I, it's so hard to not jumble everything uh, at the end of the year. And yeah, so he helped like many people's careers this year, including his own. I think this year is going to be a legacy year for Christian Cage. So um, I think he's deserving of that award. I mean, I just don't know where else to put him on my awards. You know what no, I mean? Like this well, feels like the well place deserved. that he fits the most. Um, carrying off that, Duke, uh, who's your breakout star? Uh, Lord Rickard of the House Stocks. Uh, Ricky mm-hmm. Starks, to me, mm-hmm. um, went from being... Uh, I would say upper mid card, probably at the end of last year, is probably a fair way to put place him. Um, you know, after you know disbanding from Team Taz and not really doing anything particularly with with Hobbs after they broke up as a team. You know what I mean? Like that doesn't go anywhere. There's a couple of tag teams that broke up that they just didn't really know what to do with. You know, actually two or three. You now that I think of, I think of Ortiz and and Santana as well. But, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh. Ricky Starks went from being mid-card to upper mid-card to, I think, a main event star this year. I mean, he went on to win a tag world title, admittedly, so there's that. But, I mean, I think there's a serious argument that not just because he got a shot this year at MJF, but I think that he could get another world title shot really soon, especially if once once those tag titles aren't a thing anymore. I I think that's happening sooner rather than later. Um, Hell, the guy, and I know Big Bill got over on his own to some extent as well, but... I don't think Bill Big Bills is over without Ricky as his friend. You know what I mean? Like I, the the package duo that they came up with those two, and the slot that they filled on Collision, and the elevated position they were put on on Collision, and most immediately tells me that they know what they yeah. have. I think we know what they have. You know, I mean, he's one of our pillars. But you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, um, but yeah. So give me your thoughts on this, and then give me your breakout star, Charlie. I think I think Ricky Stark perfectly fits the bill for breakout star because everyone. Everyone has known his potential, and then you know you get a you get a broken neck, right? So, uh, what happens from there? Where do you go from there? Ricky Starks in twenty twenty three, he showed why everyone thought he had potential, and he became a breakout star. He pinned CM Punk twice, and had feuds with Brian Danielson, feuds with MJF, feuds with Jay White. 
Didn't my man's beat Brian Danielson as well? Am I crazy I or did he not? I don't know if he beat Brian Danielson. I, Danielson beat him at the pay-per-view. He might have come close a couple of times. Match, so. Yeah, he might have just yeah, lost but, to him, but, but he definitely way, looked good against Danielson. So, positions, so that's your stock is fucking through the roof. And he capped the year off by winning a tag title. So he got a championship, a sanctioned championship, right? So well-deserving. And my breakout star is similar in many ways. She's someone that we've kind of always known, you know, wh- where where could we see her? And, and he, she's someone we've always known had some ability. She got a lot of reps in, and those reps have turned into success. And that's Julia Hart. She's uh, the current TBS champion. And I I think, you know, in terms of someone that literally started wrestling in AEW, she was a, a fucking cheerleader for the Varsity Blondes. You know, like, she was the one that would get the reps here and there. And it's just like, you know, here she is in the House of Black. And she was in a tag team with who the fuck is Griff Garrison and Lexus yeah, King. And, and now here she is with uh, her own tag partner in Sky Blue. She's in the House of Black, which is a very, very over group. And she's become a good worker. I thought she just went out there on pay-per-view and had a good match with Abaddon. I know on like cage match, that match is rated like fucking 3.6. Brutal rating for that, by the way. Uh, people fucking hated that match, apparently. I was, like, super glued to my fucking... I watched that pay-per-view on my iPad. I was, like, super fucking glued to it, dude. I was, like, I, I couldn't stop. So, hey, maybe I'm just into it and, and others aren't. But uh, I think Julia Hart deserved this breakout award. I mean, Sky Blue is getting featured nearly every fucking week, too. If there's a Workhorse Award, it's going to Sky Blue this year. Sky Blue had the most matches in AEW this year. You combine AEW and Ring of Honor, Sky Blue got that award. Just like the previous year, it was Dante Martin. So, you know, they, they know what they got in these in these younger stars. So, Bro, maybe we should start keeping track of matches, like match yeah. counts, and see if we can actually keep track of it. And if we see, and literally give out, like, a, an Iron Man award or something for whoever Iron wrestles Man. the most matches in AEW yeah. Ring of Honor. It'd be really easy because it'd be it'd be defined by numbers that we have no control over. So our last two awards today, we got our best 2023 signing and our favorite independent wrestler. We're gonna do our favorite independent wrestler first. We're gonna end on the highest note of highs. Favorite independent wrestler uh, for me, it's Mike Bailey this year. Uh, we saw him crush it in New Japan. We saw him crush it in TNA, and this guy is a reason to tune in on those shows that you see posted on YouTube. He's that fucking good. And uh, I I just I can't help but support him. He's got an incredible YouTube channel. He uh, brought it he, when he was in Japan. I was I was keeping up with it. It's just so cool, like seeing him. Just uh, yeah. Shout outs to fucking Mike Bailey with the fucking non-binary representation. Yeah, so, One of the fucking best wrestlers in the world. I, I personally think currently that's not dude, signed somewhere. Some like of the, the best the fuck TNA. on the planet. TNA doesn't count as being signed, by the way. I don't care. It doesn't count. No, no it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, no. WWE. Nah, fuck them. AEW, New Japan. The, the, I should have said that at the beginning. If you're not signed to those three companies, or obviously no All Japan, you know, if you're signed to those, yeah, it's a whole different thing. But um, yeah, yeah, favorite independent wrestler, Mike Motherfucking Bailey. Shout outs to Mike Bailey. Um, I had Leo Rush, um, and this is going to sound silly, but it was purely his run 
because I, I I did see a few of his independent matches throughout from the year, but not that many to be able to say what the rest of his year really looked like. But um, his run in the Super Juniors tournament, bro. I mean, Mike Bailey's run in that tournament too. My God, but yeah. Um, but Leo Rush, I might be right up there with him. If there's like a double, if there's MVPs, if there could be like two MVPs, I think it'd be those two. You know, I, I like mean, seeing obviously Leo Hiromo, get on this because that's one of Tony's biggest fumbles. I, I agree. That's what I, my personal thought is. I can't believe he let this guy go. It's like him, Jonathan Gresham, a few others. Just I cannot believe you just let him walk. But you know, sometimes Tony doesn't see it, and you know you can't, you can't make him see it. So Leo Rush makes it in. Best twenty twenty three signing in a year where AEW signed some fucking legit stars, Hall of yes. Famers, S tier talent. Yes, you name it. Uh-huh. We have returns. Group. We had our first ever All Elite again in Stu Grayson. Who is your best 2023 signing? Jay White. Um, It's pretty definitive. The guy went on to be probably, at least up until Danielson took over as the main star, he was basically the star of Collision. Even when CM Punk was there, he was basically the star of Collision. Bullet Club Gold's probably the most over-faction that's ever just popped up in the middle of a year besides the Blackpool Combat Club. I probably are like 1A and 1B in terms of that. Like, um, they, they have... Jay White and Juice Robinson together have, I think, become two of the most over-acts in AEW just individually, and then you throw the guns in there. Now they're getting the shine from this. People are starting to finally respect them for what we've understood them to be over the last like year or so. And uh, Jay White uh, has had pretty much the same thing I've said about everybody else who's been on these awards. I can't think of a bad match he's had. He had a phenomenal run in the Continental Classic. He had just insane main event after insane main event. He's already technically on this awards once because of the match with, with Bullet Club Gold and, um, and, uh, and FTR, you know what I mean? So like, uh, you know what I mean? Like Jay White. Yeah. Jay White is just one of the best wrestlers in the world. I don't even know what else to say. What do you even say, what Charlie? I'll say to this uh, is my best 2023 yeah. signing. We're unanimous. We're closing the night unanimous. Jay motherfucking White. Um, yeah, he just, uh, he was the perfect signing. They brought him in at the perfect time. It was about April, right? Just about April. He was immediately involved. This was a satisfying one, man, because they were so sure he was going to the WWE. Like, Dude, we so were certain. Booking plans for him. And now, all of a sudden, he shows up and attacks Ricky Starks. Oh, that felt good. That, that, that was. AW needed that in that moment, too. Because. That was coming off of... Oh, yeah. I felt like when he was going to walk into the WWE that that might have been like GG. Yeah, that, that you know what I mean? Like, this... Jay White is an S-tier talent, and I mean that. Um, This is the guy you can build your company around. And not that many... There's not that many of those on this planet. And Jay White's one of them. And I think... Uh, I think people learn that throughout this year. And he'll get his moment. He, he will... AEW will be built around him at one point. And uh, it might not be 2024. He can be the guy to beat Samoa Joe. He, he you might. just don't know. But uh, Jay White, I got a good feeling. I, I got a feeling he's going to touch some gold this year, too. Trios, singles, I don't fucking care. We're going to get Jay White some gold. Both at the same time, please. Yeah. Give me bullet. Cl- him and the guns taking those off the acclaim tomorrow. Thank you. You know, I'm down. But that's it for us, everyone. 
we want to thank you all for hanging out for our second annual award show in 2023. Sorry it came a couple days later than uh, we <laughs> we had anticipated. It's not for lack of trying, I can promise you that. Um, we uh, we had it recorded. <laughs> but we will see you guys on Tuesday the 9th for our normal, traditional Eat Sleep Elite. And then, you know, uh, Battle of the Valley is the 13th, 14th. We're not sure yet if we're covering that or if, if we're just going to... Have to see the or card if we're first. Just tossing it in on the, uh, like, like oh, I don't know if it's getting its own show this year. Uh, Battle of the Valley last time, and yeah, we're probably going to oh, watch yeah, it because we just, I feel like we both just reignited yeah, yeah. our passion we'll for New it, Japan we'll by watching the, Wrestle uh, Kingdom. Review during notes, no matter what. But like Battle of the Valley last year, you know, the whole fucking delay for an hour. It doesn't start for so late. Yeah, that was kind of brutal. So might, uh, I might, might wait this one out <laughs> and not try and watch it live because that sucked. But um, yeah, uh, I we can tell you guys we're digging the New Japan uh, Wrestle Kingdom. A lot of people check that out, which is really really cool. And uh, yeah, if you're interested at all, stick around, hit the like, follow, subscribe, you name it. Twitch.tv backslash Duke Derps. You can check Duke Gaming over here. Uh, Twitter Eat Sleep Elite. Twitter Bane Duke. Twitter O Charlie with an X instead of an A. And that's it for us, everyone. Um. Hopefully this episode reaches you and it didn't corrupt because that would suck. So if you're listening to this, life is good, but it can. Yeah, I'm, w- w- bro. Can you imagine if we had to record life this a third good, time? Bro, it can't I would be better. I would be so checked. <laughs> I would Jack, be so checked for the yo, third podcast. It's, it's, it's Jover at that point. Samoa Jover. Hey, chalk, chalk it up. It up. We'll catch you guys later. Thank you very much.